are listening to the Fuerte Network. Welcome back to We Are Home, Arizona. This time, not even from the state of Arizona. We are live all the way in Washington, D.C. Joined with me, my broadcast partner, Carlos Navarro. Carlos, we're not in studio. We're not in Phoenix. We're not even in Arizona. We have been flown out here to Washington, D.C. to send the messages to our senators that we need action and we need action to happen now. We cannot wait any longer. They cannot wait any longer. And our people cannot wait any longer. What has been what we have deserved for so long is at their doorstep. They have what it takes to do it right now. There is no more excuses. And we'll definitely be getting into all of that. But for now, Carlos, welcome back to to the show. And uh, how have you been? How has the, the the traveling been? And these past couple of days here in D.C., ¿cómo te las ha pasado? ¿Qué pasó, Danny? I'm doing good. Super excited to be back in D.C. This is my first time. I think it's around my third time. But I think every time that I come back, uh, I'm reminded, like, through the architecture and through, you know, seeing all the politicians that this is a place with power. This is a place with a lot of financial capital. This is, like, where laws are made, you know? And I think as people who are always told that, Oh, you can't participate. You can't really be part of of government. You can't really do a lot of these things. You should be afraid. People who have been afraid of government to come here, to be here, to see all the buildings, to to be surrounded by so many powerful people from all over the country. It, it's amazing because, you know, even though people are afraid, people without documentation or people without DACA, TPS, any status that has been uh, liminal is a minority within like the, the documented statuses. I think it's really powerful that everyone's here and I'm super happy to be here with everyone and, you know, to be in community with, with all the amazing like speakers and individuals that I've met in the last three days. Exactly. And you mentioned it's about your third time here. This is my first time seeing, seeing something like this. I've, I've traveled to a couple of other cities, seen, seen, you know, uh, strange buildings to what's strange to me that I'm used to just the cookie cutter architecture of Phoenix, Arizona, seeing uh, buildings, in Chicago, seeing buildings, uh, uh, in California and now seeing the historical ones here in D.C. takes us back to two, three hundred years to where, you know, the, the, the where the country was starting now. You know, we see little roads right here that uh, we mentioned while we were driving around. These roads were probably done with horse and carriage, you know, trying yeah. to trying to get through very, very tight spots. But people out here, they got to know how to drive in order to get through them. And uh, as you mentioned, the history, the first day that we got here on Monday, I was able to, as we were going through to our hotel, passing the Washington Monument, and our hotel room is uh, right here within walking distance of the U.S. Capitol building, a building that I've only seen in textbooks, a building I've only seen in TV and movies. Yeah. I mean, I saw Ice Cube blow it up and Triple X 2 but uh, never thought that I would be standing in front of it. Yeah. Like, who am I? ¿Quién soy yo para estar enfrente del Capitolio? This is one of the most important buildings in the entire world. And yet I've been given this opportunity to do so. It's a very humbling thing to see it for the first time. How was it your first time in D.C.? I remember being super, super, super like afraid. It was my first time seeing the Capitol building and the Capitol building is huge. It's intimidating. I, my first impression was the power that it holds and, you know, like standing in front of there and seeing the power that the building radiates, it's it's insane. Um, so it was a lot of fear at first because, you know, we're taught to to fear the government and, and fear everything, but right. it was it was insane to like be standing there. And as like a 16-year-old, like... Oh, who, you were 16? <laughs> who am I to like... <laughs> who am I compared to these buildings? Right. You know? No, like me, I'm I'm experiencing as a 30 year old being like this. I can't imagine being 16 years old in front of in front of everything that that I that uh, that I've seen today, and to be able to handle it at that young age, man, that that was that's something that's pretty awesome. Yeah, my mom was mad. <laughs> she me dijo, "Te van a deportar para que estás en esas pendejadas." I'm sorry. ¿Por qué te metes? She's like, "No, nadie va a importar si 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 te echan." I was like, "Pero." So, so she didn't know when you were coming out here? or She, supo, like she knew, but um, at first they didn't really support it because uh, okay. uh, they thought I would get in trouble or right, I would right. get arrested. And I almost did uh, that time. So but I almost did on, on, on Tuesday. Yeah, well. yeah, we both almost got arrested. <laughs> and uh, for, for being just a, what one foot too far to the left is pretty much what it ended up being. They wanted us a certain place. And yeah. they're like, hey, no, if you're going to get, if you're going to be here one more time, you're going to be arrested. Like, all right, all right, we got to move over yeah, here. For some, it's scary. You know, being and, told by like police officers, like, uh, you have two warnings, like you're going to get arrested. Like, right. It's scary to see that firsthand in the street. And we, we got amazing footage of some very, very brave individuals who ended up 
getting arrested in that um, civil disobedience action that we saw. All of it to send the message to our senators that this this is what we're willing to do in order to get your attention so you guys can take it seriously. We're putting our livelihoods, our bodies, our futures on the line so you guys can take this seriously for our people that really need it. Why don't we go a little bit more into detail of what that action was? Can you explain to me where we were in terms of like the city and what the action was for, for the people listening? Yeah, claro. Uh, we were in front of the U.S. Capitol building and one of the little historic parks on the side. But essentially, it was an action to kind of not compel, but pressure Congress to to do the right thing and to pass like the Build Back Better plan. And I think beyond like immigration provisions, you also have the the child care provisions. You have a clean, clean energy, clean, clean jobs. So there's a lot of in- stuff in there that affects other people besides us. Uh, and that's why a lot of other people should also care because has a lot of provisions that you know go beyond our own community but at the end of the day immigrant or not um, you breathe the, the same air you drink yep. the same water you need the same healthy environment so at the end of the day you and everyone benefits from 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 this bill so and, and we did see that in terms of uh, the people out here it's not just our coalition it's not just the immigration people out here trying to get their attention but we did see people there organizing for clean air we saw some others in terms of um health benefits especially for the elderly and the disabled everything that that we need parental family leave like all these little things that just swirl together in this build back better um agenda that we're trying to get past here so um it's good to see that all these other groups came together instead of fighting for attention and trying to get like oh no stuck on nosotros no we want the stage we want this like no se juntaron todos and as a community voice like hey it doesn't matter what this benefits everybody. There's no reason not to pass this bill and not to pass it now. And at the end of the day, citizenship or not, you all still need the same basic requirements. Like everyone's everyone's human, regardless of citizenship status. So everyone deserves uh, parental leave. Everyone deserves health care. Everyone deserves clean water, clean air. Uh, and, you know, our world deserves clean energy. So at the end of the day, I was happy to see that solidarity and to see everyone coming together and, you know, kind of standing in community with each other, even if they're not U.S. citizens or if they are. We've uploaded a couple of things to social media and we're going to continue to do this. We already sent the footage over to our friends at Fuerte that they're going to start editing and publishing those videos out. Hopefully, hopefully by the time this podcast airs in the next couple of days. But for right now, let's go ahead and introduce our first guest. One of our uh, people that came out here with us that is uh, out here telling her story, fighting her fight. Carlos. Right, I'd like to introduce my friend um, Salma. Uh, Salma, como estas? Olis todos, todas, todes. Hi, everyone. My name is Sam Ortiz Diaz. I am the advocacy, advocacy director of Undocumented Students for Education Equity, also known as UC. And I am a former organizer with Arizona Jews for Justice. I'm just happy to be here. Thank you so much for joining us, Alma, for agreeing to like be interviewed. Uh, I did want to ask, uh, what brought you to DC like in the first place? What made you be here in this moment right now? Um, I think it's just really important, um, you know, to be here because there's a lot of lawmakers being, you know, that are, you know, here. Kristen Cinnamon Mark Kelly have an office here. Um, and also, I'm not just fighting for myself, but I'm fighting for the 11 million undocumented, you know, community. And I'm honestly also just, you know, being present, but also being an ally because we've been to a lot of events this past week, not just for undocu and immigration rights, but also for voter rights and you know we're you know being allies to like the black community as well and why do you think right now is an important time for immigration reform or for immigration bills i think right now it's very important for an immigration reform um because right now democrats have majority power and um if it's not if it doesn't happen right here right now it's not going to happen in the future right and so we're honestly just putting pressure on the dems to pull through because they have to remember that we voted them in a bunch of my friends um, and I canvassed for their campaign, you know, and canvassed, you know, in the hot Arizona desert. Canvassed like, Mark Kelly. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, you know, it's important that, you know, we're voting them in and we can easily vote them out when re-election comes. And it's something that I, I've been hearing about this last couple of days here in D.C. And then definitely last uh, last few months that it, uh, everything's been picking up steam back home in Arizona because we like, like you said, we fought for them to get in there. We put ourselves on the line. Same thing that we're the way that we're pushing for this to pass. We use that same energy to get them there and for them to not reciprocate at this time because now they have a different agenda or something. It's not going to work out for them in, in, in the long run. 
the people that got them there, if they don't continue that support, that is not a promised seat tomorrow. And more and more people, every single election cycle that I've noticed has been more and more voter turnout. So the people are starting to realize that they hold the power. So what is it going to take for them to like the light bulb finally blink on and say, you know what? I serve these people, not the other way around. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I honestly do ask my, myself that question all the time. And it really just comes down like, you know, like the term, um, the people united will never be divided. And it, it honestly comes down to getting more people to, you know, register to vote, making more people um, aware of like what's going on. Because even like in D.C., D.C. statehood's like a really big issue. They can't vote. A lot of little things to get people involved. You know, it doesn't just have to be um, immigration advocacy. It can be other ways of like civil engagement. So I think just engaging the youth and getting them involved, I think, is just really important because they don't have to. There, there's a place for everyone in the movement. It doesn't have to be just immigration work. You know, it can be um, reproductive rights. It can be child refugees, you know, um, child welfare. Different types of, you know, movement work is really important to kind of just make everything flow within the movement. And what would you say to the, the senators who aren't sure that they should vote for this bill? Or what would you like to say to the people that might not support? I think this is really personal because as a social work major that goes to ASU, that uh, as a student, you know, as a DACA recipient, um, Kristen Cinema is a teacher there, you know. So I think it's really a slap in the face for those, even the School of Social Work to have a representative that doesn't support us as her constituents, but also to slap in the face as, you know, as a social worker, as a abusive social worker, and because she doesn't. Well, for me, she's, she's supposed, especially not only as a senator, but as a teacher, she's supposed to be an example for the community. And what kind of example is she setting by not supporting the community? Yeah. And even if you look at like the National Social Work um, Code of Conduct, she violates a lot of those because something that the Code of Conduct for social workers, they they highlight social issues and social justice. That's one of the pillars to the Code of Conduct for social workers. And yet here she is not supporting her constituents not supporting, you know, the undocumented community, not supporting women, not supporting a livable minimum wage. You know, she goes against everything that as a social worker, you know, she is a social worker, you know. So I think, you know, I, I this is just so personal to me. Tomorrow is going to be a travel day for us. Get back home, get back to Phoenix. It's probably going to be a very, very long day. Get, get home late. We're going to go to sleep. What would it mean to you to wake up Friday morning and to see a headline, Build Back Better has passed, and we can all start our celebration? What would that mean to you? Um, that would mean the world to me. You know, this isn't, I, you know, like everyone thinks that the movement work is about, like, ourselves, you know? And the, the movement is, is definitely about, you know, my family, my parents, my cousins, you know, my friends, you know, this this movement work isn't isn't ever about me. You know, it does include me because as a DACA recipient, it's always going to include me. But this is this is a bigger picture. Right. So it honestly it would mean everything to me just because, like, I won't have to fear for the deportation of my family and my friends. So I want to thank you for being on this podcast, taking a few minutes and, you know, sharing more of your story. I know you do this on the daily. I know it's very, very personal to you. And for you to share it with us, I'd really like to thank you for all that. Uh, is there anything else that you are involved with right now, any events coming up that you might want to shout out or, or invite people to? I don't have any upcoming events, but if y'all want to support UC, please. Please join. Follow, yeah, please join us and follow us. It's U-C-U-S-E-E underscore A-S-U. So, yeah, just follow us, please. Yeah, they do amazing work, por favor. Um, if you're ever on campus or if you're on the campus, or even in the Phoenix metro area, por favor, yes. uh, follow them and you know support their their work because they do a lot for students. Thank you, y'all. Thank you so much. We'll have to Thank have you, you so on again sometime. Gracias. Pues, le doy la muy buena bienvenida a mi amiga y compañera en el movimiento. Maricruz, Maricruz, ¿cómo está? Muy bien, gracias a Dios. <risa> Muy bien. Y usted como, pues yo en, personalmente yo la veo como veterana, que usted ha estado en el movimiento por mucho tiempo. Ya tiene como 10 años, ¿verdad? 
Sí, la verdad, tengo una década estando en este movimiento. Empecé de cero, sí. Gracias a Dios tuve la oportunidad de, de empezar el movimiento con gran fe, fuerza. Y creo que hemos avanzado mucho como las madres indocumentadas, que fuimos las primeras eh, soñadoras. Y yo, yo con usted, yo veo a mi mamá, ¿verdad? Una persona que, que se vino y aún no tiene estatus, ¿verdad? Entonces yo, personalmente, yo veo a muchos de, de mis tías y mi mamá en usted y en, en su historia y todo el valor que usted tiene y todo el, el pues, su, su valor en, en venir y demandar sus propios derechos porque eh, la legislación Build by Better no nomás es solo para las personas que tienen DACA, ¿verdad? Es para todos. Exactamente, como tú dices, eh, fuimos las primeras soñadoras y pues yo tuve la gran oportunidad de entrar al Capitolio, de entrar a, a, a estar cerca de la Casa Blanca, estar en la Cámara de Representantes. En ese entonces, cuando yo empecé, era un poco más fácil llegar a ellos y cuando yo llegué a ellos, como muchas madres, a contar nuestras historias, porque nosotras estábamos peleando desde hace 10 años eh, una reforma migratoria. Eh, fue algo que, la verdad... Me ha ayudado mucho porque he conocido diferentes etapas que es este, sobre la legislación y sobre el movimiento que nosotros como las madres y los jóvenes y todas las personas indocumentadas y las que vienen a pedir asilo, tenemos la oportunidad de levantar nuestra voz y contar nuestras historias. Algo muy importante que quiero que eh, eh, sepa todo el mundo es de que lo hacen de una manera correcta. Ustedes ven que el sistema está mal, ven que el sistema está puesto para quitarnos derechos y, y ponernos para abajo en cada oportunidad que tienen y ustedes van y demuestran con sus historias y demuestran con su valor que esto tiene que cambiar y van de una manera respetuosa, van de una manera fuerte, van de una manera que siguen todas las leyes para poder hacer todo esto que están haciendo a diferencia de que otras personas que no les gustó algo y empezaron a atacar el mismo Capitolio. Entonces ahí se ve la diferencia de nuestra comunidad que quiere hacer las cosas para bien y yo no me explico cómo la gente no puede ver eso, de que esto que están haciendo es algo para bien y otras personas están literalmente atacando la nación que ustedes están tratando de salvar. ¿De dónde llega su valor? en poder enfrentar todas esas cosas día tras día? Ah, sí, bueno, pues eh, afortunadamente eh, llegó el momento en que yo conocí las leyes. Claro, no las conozco todas, pero sí conocí las leyes de mis derechos y esas leyes de mis derechos, como tú bien lo estabas diciendo, nos han estado quitando derechos. Sí nos están quitando derechos, pero aún si tú sabes y conoces los derechos como inmigrante, nadie te va a poder quitar esos derechos y a mí me da valor simplemente en este país luchar, pelear por mí, porque siempre lo he dicho, siempre voy a pelear por mí, por mi familia y si mi familia está bien, van a estar bien todas las demás familias. Ese es mi caso donde yo eh, he tenido la oportunidad de llegar a congresistas y de contarles mis historias. Ah, varios congresistas me han dado la oportunidad y han hablado conmigo. He tenido cartas de congresistas que me mandan felicitar por ser una madre indocumentada y tener el valor de estar frente a frente de ellos y decirle la historia y decirle por qué nosotros necesitamos este, ese anhelado sueño que es una ciudadanía y tener esa documentación para poder estar bien en este país. Y para esto se necesita más mamás como tú, sí. y más, uh, ma, uh, más gente que viene para pelear para nosotros. ¿Qué le puede decir a todas las mamás, los papás, que tal vez tienen hijos que están en la pelea, pero ellos no saben cómo aportar, ya sea porque no, no conocen las leyes o por miedo a que al ser deportados, o nomás por no tener el conocimiento de organizaciones a quienes les pueden ayudar? ¿Qué les diría a los padres de que están en casa buscando una manera de ayudar? Ah, sí, correctamente. Este, yo me siento ya una madre empoderada, una, una madre organizadora, una madre activista que empezó de ceros, que simplemente por el hecho de haber traído a sus hijos a este país inocentemente, porque ni yo lo sabía, este, los miré eh, 
detenidos, los miré con esposas en las manos simplemente porque ellos empezaron a conocer sus derechos y salir y levantar la voz. Y así empecé yo. Y esas madres que aún no se integran, que aún no saben, es porque la verdad um, no están informadas, porque esas madres no se han dado el tiempo de informarse y de decir, ok, si esa mujer que no tiene documentos ha sido arrestada, ha sido puesta en, en primera plana donde ella puede ser deportada, sus hijos pueden ser deportados, lo ha podido hacer, continuas yo. Entonces yo doy el taller Conozques Tus Derechos y ahí es en donde yo empodero a la gente, donde yo empodero a madres como yo, donde yo he conocido madres donde me dicen, oh, yo no necesito nada, mi hijo va a la universidad, yo tengo una buena casa, tengo un buen trabajo, tengo todo. Y yo les contesto, sí lo tiene todo, pero no tiene papeles. Usted ha pensado el día de mañana donde a usted la pueden llevar y sus hijos se pueden quedar aquí. Y la, las personas me dicen, realmente tiene razón. Me dan las gracias porque les hago entender que tenemos que luchar, no importa que tengamos un futuro de, en económico, pero no tenemos un futuro eh, en documentación. Cualquier día, cualquier noche, podemos ser separados. Entonces, yo sí recalco que todos esos padres que tienen miedo, que no conocen, que no saben que tienen derechos en la calle, en el trabajo, en la casa y en cualquier lugar, hay derechos, pero tenemos que conocernos para levantar nuestra voz, para decir, aquí estoy, mi voz cuenta. ¿Por qué? Porque este país simplemente no me ha dado documentos, pero no me puede quitar el derecho de levantar la voz. Y pienso que al fin del día, tanto como ustedes nos han protegido a nosotros como mamás, nosotros también tenemos que poner nuestra parte de protegerlas a ustedes, porque no más nosotros merecemos esos derechos y esa documentación y esa habilidad de vivir en paz, ¿verdad? Ustedes, tanto como nosotros, lo merecen, se lo han ganado en todas las peleas que ustedes han peleado, en traernos, en, en mantenernos, en ayudarnos, en amarnos y estar en comunidad con nosotros. Ustedes son las dreamers originales, lo seguirán siendo. Y yo como un hijo y como un amigo, un compañero en el movimiento, en el trabajo, y en todo, todo este desmadre que hemos visto con inmigración, yo le digo muchas gracias. Yo le tengo mucho, mucho amor y mucho orgullo de verla aquí, verla peleando, verla usando su voz. La quiero mucho y pues muchas gracias por estar aquí y estar hablando por todas las madres allá que también tienen miedo. Pues muchas gracias y gracias por esta oportunidad porque sé que siempre les comento a la gente, no, no nos vean escúchenos, escuchen lo que nosotros les estamos diciendo pueden levantar la voz pueden venir a mí, pueden encontrarme eh, pueden a preguntarme pueden saber muchas cosas pero siempre y cuando ustedes tienen que estar integradas a una comunidad, sea quien sea, pero pueden estar integradas ahí conocen y ahí realmente hay personas que, que sí me ha tocado ver que no las podemos sacar porque tienen mucho miedo y porque esas personas realmente nosotras las tenemos que proteger. Porque esas personas tal vez no van a cambiar, pero para eso estamos nosotros, para proteger a todas esas personas que no han tenido la disponibilidad, el valor y, y el de quitarse el miedo. Maricruz, eres una inspiración para toda una generación. Muchísimas gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. ¿Dónde puede encontrar la gente sus talleres de Know Your Rights, de Conocer Sus Derechos para los que quieran informarse? Ah, sí, este, especialmente si juntan un grupo de más de cinco personas, podemos ir a sus casas a dar esos talleres, Conocer Tus Derechos. Eh, me pueden encontrar en Facebook como M.A. Cruz Ramírez y me pueden encontrar en Twitter también como María Cruz, me pueden encontrar en, en Instagram como Indocumo y pues la verdad um, me da mucho gusto poder ser parte de esta historia y poder cambiar la historia, no únicamente mía, sino la historia de todos. Si mi familia está bien, la de todos estará mucho mejor. 
Muchísimas gracias. Muchas pues gracias, ya escuchó ahí todos, si se juntan más de cinco personas, ya escuchó familia. Ahí ya sé que se van a juntar para las navidades, van a estar aquí todos. Vamos a poner aparte un tiempo para hacer este entrenamiento. No se van a escapar de esta. Muchísimas gracias, Mari. Muchas gracias, Mari. Gracias a ustedes y buenas noches. Seguimos aquí con uh, más historias desde DC. Es una, esto ha sido una gran experiencia para mí. La primera vez viajando para, para esta ciudad y conociendo a diferentes lugares, conociendo diferentes personas tan diferentes, pero a la misma vez tan iguales a, a, a mí. Un, un lugar donde he escuchado muchas historias parecidas a la mía, a muchas batallas que han, que han batallado igual que yo lo he hecho. Y es, es algo que para mí es nuevo ver Porque sí se ve, en, en Arizona se ve la inmigración como un gran problema y he vira, mirado muchísima gente, incluyendo mi familia, uh, con, con gente indocumentada y, uh, y batallando de esta manera, pero de verlo de todo el país, de gente de California, de Chicago, de West Virginia, estaban de Boston, estaban de diferentes lados del país y todos con la misma voz y todos con, la, con los, la, las mismas peticiones para nuestros senadores que hagan lo correcto. Entonces aquí uh, quiero abrir los micrófonos para que nos comparta un poquito Ana Tolosa de la Arizona Dream Act Coalition. Ana, bienvenido y muchas gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Hola, gracias Dani, buenas noches. Gracias por invitarnos y gracias por darnos la oportunidad de seguir eh, alzando nuestra voz. Uh, yo soy mamá de una Dream Act y eh, mi impulso y mi motivación es porque hace poco, pues como todos ya lo saben, que está por el juez de Texas, está detenida la a, de seguir procesando nuevas aplicaciones, en sí. la cual mi hija ya no pudo ser procesada por ser nueva aplicación para ella. Y pues lamentablemente está fuera de, de cualquier beneficio que pudiera tener como, como DACA. Pues ahorita me preocupa su futuro de ella porque pues en realidad, pues... Esta, la traje yo de chiquita cuando apenas tenía dos años y ahorita ya calificaba para, para DACA, pero lamentablemente estamos otra vez en la oscuridad y pues estamos aquí luchando para que seamos escuchadas, uh, yo como madre y también como madre de familia que he vivido directamente la, la, la experiencia que mi esposo también por ser indocumentado él fue encarcelado también eh, por unas redadas que hubo en Arizona y pues eh, tuve esa experiencia, lo que se vive cuando eres separado de tu familia, en este caso fue mi esposo que él fue separado de nosotros y estuvo tres meses por solamente por ser indocumentado, wow. ajá estaba en su trabajo, el delito de él pues eh, es trabajar sin un seguro social simplemente trabajar en una compañía en la que fue revisada y no tenía seguro social, su delito fue proveer para su familia, así es, es es, es lo sí, que fue. así es. Y pues um, lamentablemente no nos esperábamos con esa noticia cuando ya no regresó a casa y ya no regresó y no regresó. Y pues sí, nos pusimos, uh, teníamos poco que habíamos llegado y nos pusimos eh, muy nerviosos porque pues yo dije, ¿qué voy a hacer? Mis hijos y él pues el que él proveía y, y pues um, lamentablemente ya no lo vi hasta después de tres meses porque estuvo encarcelado por tres meses. Y esas experiencias que vive uno como migrantes de, de que es separado de su familia es una cosa horrible. Es una experiencia que la verdad no le deseo a ninguna familia porque eh, es muy feo. Esas experiencias son muy feas. Y, y ahorita la experiencia que estamos viviendo pues de que no hay nuevas aplicaciones para las nuevas personas que ya pueden calificar también es una cosa muy triste porque ah, no vemos futuro, no vemos progreso y eso nos da tristeza porque realmente somos personas que venimos a trabajar honestamente, donde pagamos nuestros impuestos y donde lo único que deseamos es, es tener un derecho a una oportunidad de poder trabajar legalmente en este país. Claro, y quiero que me platique un poquito más sobre a uh, su hija, que ya, ya venía con la esperanza de, de poder recibir su DACA y seguir con su, su educación. I relate to that a lot. Porque igual mi mamá me trajo a mí cuando antes de tener un año yo crecí aquí, yo crecí como niño americano. Nunca pensé de que yo nunca iba a poder ir al colegio 
y ella se tuvo que tener toda la batalla para tratar de meterme a la escuela uh, al, al último, pues no se pudo, no, no, no pudo con todos los biles que tuvo que pagar y todo. Y ahora state tuition, como es tan caro para, para los que no tienen documentación, se le hizo imposible a ella y yo sé que ella se culpa por eso, pero no es su culpa, es, es lo, 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 las leyes que ponen ahí. Ahora que, que estoy escuchando también que no sabe su, su hija de, de qué futuros le puede traer, que, ¿cómo, ¿cómo es de que pueda ligar con, con, con esos pensamientos que tiene ahorita? Yo le, le comento a ella y le digo que, pues lamentablemente, ¿verdad? Este, pues llegamos ilegal, ilegal llegamos indocumentados Indocum a este país sí. y, que, y que pues ella no es, no pertenece a ser residente o ciudadana, por lo tanto ella tiene que dar lo mejor de sí para que pueda abrirle eh, una, una oportunidad de poder, de poder sobresalir con alguna beca o con un pues con un buen optimismo de que pues la situación esa es, no le puedo ocultar, no le puedo mentir y yo le he sido honesta y le he dicho, pues ahorita tenemos que luchar y tener tú tienes que hacer lo mejor de ti en cuanto a tus estudios y en cuanto a lo mejor que el esfuerzo que puedas hacer para poder um, para poder, eh, en cuanto haya una oportunidad, pues para poder que pues recibas algún tipo de beca, porque ahorita ella si quiere ir al colegio y, pues, y dice, yo si quisiera ir, dice, y, y yo sé que es muy cara la colegiatura, pero pues ha tomado unas clases ya para el colegio, por lo cual ahorita ya tenemos un gasto que no contábamos con ese gasto, sí, porque claro. tenemos que pagar esas materias, y, y pues ¿qué hacemos? Yo y mi esposo tronarnos los dedos porque pues ella quiere salir adelante pero no pues, no tiene ahorita el, el... Por, por ahorita por, Así es. porque con el trabajo que estás haciendo que están haciendo todas las demás mamás que están haciendo todos los que vienen acá para, para pelear por ellos la senadora cinema senador Kelly no los hicieron caso en Arizona nos vinimos a seguir para acá Igual con otras decenas de personas de nuestra ciudad, cientos de personas alrededor del país. Y vivimos en la, en la acción de ayer, había casi dos mil personas en ese, en ese parque pidiendo que pase esto por historias como esa. Y por eso digo, por ahorita no, porque va a pasar. Algo así no se puede quedar así. Entonces nosotros con el trabajo que están haciendo ustedes, esto va a pasar y su hija va a tener un futuro. Sí, gracias Dani, pues sí, es la, es la motivación que nos da de estar aquí en DC, dejando toda nuestra familia allá en Arizona, dejando todo para a nosotros poder ser la voz representando representándolos a ellos y poder lograr ser escuchados porque la verdad es triste, y es, es inhumano, es lamentable que no, no hasta ahorita no puedan llegar a un acuerdo, pero seguiremos luchando para que esto suceda. Gracias Daniel. Y, y, y nomás por último, esto lo vamos a, a, le vamos a mandar un link directamente para la senadora Cinema para que lo escuche. Entonces usted, sabiendo que Cinema la va a estar escuchando, ¿qué la quiere decir para, para la senadora? Pues que ella como la experiencia que ha tenido con los jóvenes como maestra que ella es, pues que se compadezca también de los alumnos que son indocumentados en este país, que también ellos quieren tener las mismas oportunidades y los mismos eh, derechos de seguir con y continuar con sus estudios y que si ella, de su punto de ella, es un punto a favor que anhelamos y deseamos que ella pueda apoyarlos a nuestros jóvenes emigrantes, que por favor lo haga ahora, porque ahora Ahora es cuando ocupamos ese punto, esa decisión, esa, esa valentía, esa nobleza del ser humano de que ella mire y ahorita que ella tiene el poder que lo haga uh, teniendo misericordia de todos los jóvenes que necesitan un, 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 una legalización en este país y no solamente los jóvenes sino también los padres que sufrimos juntos con ellos porque igual seguimos en la sombra senadora si usted nos escucha por favor eh, así como mi experiencia hay miles y miles que usted tal vez ahorita diga pues son indocumentados y no le podemos dar un, no le podemos dar un voto pero déjeme decirle que le podemos dar no uno sino cinco votos o, o diez votos o veinte votos por nuestras familias 
que sí son ah, ciudadanos, por nuestros amigos, por nuestros vecinos, que sí son ciudadanos. Y esperamos por nuestros hijos que tal vez en el futuro vayan a, a tener hijos y sean ciudadanos. Sí podemos cambiar eh, algún día eh, con nuestras personas, nuestra gente, que sí lo puede hacer por nosotros. Excelentes palabras, Ana. Muchísimas gracias por estar aquí con nosotros y la, la vamos a tener en un futuro cuando regresemos. En gracias, Daniel. Gracias, muchas gracias y gracias a todos ustedes por darnos la oportunidad de escuchar este, este mensaje. And we are back with the We Are Home Arizona podcast. Joining me now is the Executive Director of the Arizona Dream Act Coalition, Karina. Obviously, no stranger to D.C. This is, uh, I want to say, your second home. These are your stomping grounds. This is your battlefield. Karina, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking some time to be with us. Thank you, Danny, for having me. I think this podcast was uh, much needed when I heard the idea of immigrants, a podcast made by immigrants for immigrants to talk about our realities. I thought it was an amazing idea. It's giving us a voice. So thank you so much for this effort. Uh, first of all, can, uh, how long have you been the uh, ED for uh, ADEC? Yes, since 2015, I took on the task of leading the organization, and um, I didn't know anything about the nonprofit sector, but I had the passion to learn, and I took on, on the task because I knew that this organization started by young immigrants, and I didn't want it to just cease. So I mm -hmm. thought, you know what? It's a challenge to myself, but I'm willing to take it. And I've learned so much about how to run a nonprofit. And I learned so much from uh, leaders in Arizona, young leaders and across generations. It's It's been an honor to serve in ADAC since 2015. One of the things that you first mentioned was passion. And that's something that over the last couple of days I've seen just pour out of you marching through the streets, going hasta mi mismo dijiste, ¿a qué van a decir si no van a marchar? We're, we're going to be hitting the streets and we're going to be hitting them hard and I see you out there using your voice. In terms of your voice, aunque no se mire la estatura, you're there louder than everybody else. How is it that you do something like that? Yeah, I think it comes from the heart. I, as a as an immigrant, experience right, the oppression, not being able to vote um, in 2006, seeing my tuition triple overnight because of my immigration status. I had to learn how the laws uh, come to be uh, because it affected me. And I didn't have a voice like many other young immigrants. We didn't have a say at the polls uh, when they decided uh, to pass Prop 300 in 2006. And I was working as an undocumented student and all that I made before E-Verify, I was grand, a grandfather into a, a, a company and I worked every penny, went to my tuition. And when I had it triple, I, I couldn't afford it. I just couldn't. And I remember making phone calls to Latino voters and this one Latino lady, she told me, it's because of you that my son cannot get a scholarship. And I thought to myself, how come I'm working without papers to pay my education? And yeah, I was how, how does that make sense? Like Yeah, I mean, they made a little bit more than, you know, the rules and um, for applying and qualifying for scholarships. And they were looking for a scapegoat. That's right. all it was. Yep. Blaming someone. Right. And I was not knowing us because back then without DACA, we were in the shadows. And it was easy to attack illegals, right? Although no one is illegal on stolen land, um, it was easier to do that than to realize that um, it's the system that is working against all of us. Exactly. And I remember clearly I was still in high school when the whole E-Verify thing happened. I actually had a part-time job in the theater. I was always a theater student. And being able to run the tech With all the soundboard, the light board. So whenever they would rent it out on weekends, they've had they would have like uh, concerts or they would have bautizos. They would have different things that different people, graduations that they would rent out the auditorium. I would get paid to go and just run the, the tech for them mm -hmm. and then be on my way. And after that, the the, the director asked me, "Okay, you need to go get E-Verified so you can continue. Like, What does that mean? What do you mean E-Verified? Like, no, you just go and tell them that you can work. 
So I like I didn't, and that's how it was explained to me. And when I got to the to the office, right there's like, oh yeah, fill this form out, fill this form out, this this is okay. Now we need your name, your social security name. Well, I don't have social security. Well, you can't work. None of that made sense. I was a sixteen year old kid. Like none of that made sense to me as to why not. And um, for for them to take away someone's ability to work, in came in came that that's gonna make our country better. Exactly. Um, a lot of people don't realize the harm that things like Iberify cause in our community. I remember um, I actually was working before that program was uh, mandatory in Arizona. And I learned about the program. And I also was Iberifying other people. <laughs> um, and it was so sad for me to see that the orientation for Hispanics in the job. I used to have 20 people that wanted to work, you know, and after E-Verify, it was like two or three people because people knew that they didn't have the documents. And it says in the signs, if you have the right to work, don't let anybody take it away. And I'm like, what do you mean the right to work? Like, that's something that everybody should have the ability to do because of what you're capable of not because you have a document or because you were born in a particular place that is something that we have to work to change it's just a, a system uh, that was created by people to keep oppressing immigrants i think it is it's wrong um everybody should have the right to win the the bread that they bring to their family's table with their hard work. And that's something that I, I hope in the future we can change. Now, take me through you taking over in 2015, taking on this massive responsibility to bring this organization forward. And then a year later, 2016, a year that will live in infamy. Where were you when Donald Trump was announced as the next president of the United States? Oh, wow. Um, that was very harsh. I remember that we were invited to a watch party. I went with some of the leaders, board members. Uh, we were excited to see that Hillary was ahead. And then all of a sudden things change. I remember crying with other leaders because we knew what it meant, right? It was, it was an era where... It was not going to be easy for, for immigrants that were going to be persecuted. The rhetoric from Trump was very harsh. And we knew that we were not, we were going to have to be in the def defensive. And that night I came home and I remember my two children, my young kids, um, I think they were five and seven at the time. And they opened the door and they said, mom, they ran to me and say, mom, do you know what happened? I say, what? What happened, honey? And they said, well, Donald Trump won. Is he going to send you to Mexico? And I had to take a deep breath because it was very hard for me to hear my children at that age worry about me being deported. But you can't shield your kids from these realities. Like they see it in the news. They hear conversations. Um, it's very real uh, for our children and um, the trauma that's causing in their lives to fear that separation from, from their parents is very real. I hug them and I told them it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to be all right. We will overcome this. Donald Trump does not have the last word because by that time I knew what being in community was. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was not alone. I knew that I had other people that had my back. And so by that time, I was yelling up the top of my lungs, outside in public, in TV, in press, everywhere. I was saying undocumented and unafraid. And here to stay, I was like, I don't know how, but we will figure it out because we're resilient. We learned to hustle. We learned that even though we cannot vote, we can register our families and friends to participate and be our voice. By then, I knew that it was a defeat, but it wasn't the end. It, we lost that battle, but it wasn't the end of the war. 
Uh, we're still in that warfare. Uh, we're still fighting and we won't stop until we deliver for our people. And that's a perfect way to look at it because I remember that night and and seeing so much worry, so much defeat in the faces. And you know what? It's it's okay because, like you said, we did lose. There's no way around it. Because of everything that went down, people can make excuses. People that popular vote, the blah, blah, blah. Like, the electoral college. And, and <laughs> end of the night is, is just what it was. But the way... Everyone came back from that was so inspirational to me because like, all right, it's time to go back to work on Wednesday because, you know, Tuesday night was a big defeat. Let's get back in the office on Wednesday. Let's start making phone calls and let's start continuing with the work. And from that, it almost took me back to where to what how the community rallied after SB 1070. So many organizations came forward. So many people started fighting. And in these last four years, we have seen such a growth in this movement and in this community. And uh, of course, you're almost your entire time at the head of ADAC seeing like the, the, these, this fierce ocean that you've been battling, uh, these, these trebulous waters that you've been facing on under this, this last administration. So how is it now compared to when you took over? I really believe that when there's a will, there's a way. And what doesn't kills you makes you stronger. Right. We came from that stronger than ever. We knew that we had to organize. We had to really go into our communities and make sure that people were informed, that people didn't have this sense of being defeated or this sense of fear. We had to inject into our communities that sense that we're not alone and that we will overcome. And and we did. It was it was amazing to see that people, um, you know, came together and they said before we used to like, you know, ask people, can you register to vote? Are you registered to vote? They'd be like, oh, no, I don't have time. And then after Trump, everybody was looking for ways to register to vote. Right. Um, because nobody believed he could get into office. And then. What he did with with DACA, I remember. You know, I I went to um, Mexico with a dance pro my first time after eighteen years in twenty seventeen, right after he took office, and everybody was telling us, "Don't go! Like he's gonna take DACA away, and you're gonna be stuck over there." There was thirty five of us from across the nation that said we got our permit. We haven't seen our families. I went to see my the only grandmother that was alive at the time. And, um, you know, we were afraid. <laughs> but we learned to overcome fear as immigrants. And when we do that, miracles and amazing things happen. I was able to see my, my grandmother, hug her, get her blessing, which is like 20 times. Or like she names like, I don't know. She used to name, I don't know how many saints. <laughs> you know, the abuelitas. Sí, con todos claro sus bendiciones. Sí. And I'm so glad I overcame that fear. Because I gave myself that opportunity to leave that moment. A year after, my, my grandmother passed away. And the difference then was that Trump sent Jeff Sessions to rescind DACA. And mm -hmm. with that, the ability for us to go out of the country. And I couldn't be with my grandma those last moments. And I couldn't believe that one person had so much power over my life and the life of so many other people. I refuse to believe that that is right. And that's why we decided to fight over the courts go to um you know congress and demand and i did take action and i i actually got arrested i participated in my first civil disobedience uh coming back from mexico because i knew i had to put my body in the line to send mm -hmm. the message that we're done like we we won't take it no more and that something had to be done and something had to happen Fast forward to that, you know, people responded. My son voted for the first time in 2020. My oldest one turned 18. And I remember. That is awesome. I remember in 2010, we used to march and say, today we march and tomorrow we vote. And we were like in that huge march with like so many people wearing black uh, white shirts. That was actually my very first time marching down the streets of downtown Phoenix, 100,000 strong in white shirts. Yes, I remember we, that day. 
we were in the state fairgrounds mm -hmm. and we walked to to the capitol it was amazing to see so many people come together and believing that we were going to march and then we were going to vote because we were going to win citizenship that took a decade for it to become a reality in um, 2020 with my son who voted for the first time uh, for Joe Biden and for uh, Mark Kelly. Uh, he was a vote for um, immigrants. He mm -hmm. voted because he trusted that these candidates could deliver citizenship for his grandparents. At that time, my dad was alive for his documented mother. And, you know, I, I told him that I believe we could change our reality. He trusted the process and he voted. And I was like, I can't believe like my son is fulfilling that dream and that promise. Um, and then my dad passed away last year from COVID and he couldn't reunite with my siblings. He couldn't meet my nephews and nieces. It was very, very tough to leave that reality that even if I get citizenship, he won't be with me to celebrate that. And that is why this moment is so important. So important for us to you know, talk to our representatives. Even if we are undocumented, they still represent us. That's why I decided when I saw Kirsten Cinema in the airplane, I was like, you know what? I'm going to confront her and I'm going to ask her to commit mm -hmm. to do everything in her power to pass immigration reform through the budget reconciliation. And I was so frustrated and so disappointed to see that she couldn't even look at me in the eye, that she didn't have the courage that I had because I could have been kicked out of the plane. Yeah, and, and the story, the video went viral, everything that was going on, and it was unbelievable that que le cuesta tener una conversación. Like, it's not like you're going anywhere. You're on a plane. Yeah. Have the conversation. O por lo menos escucha. You know, I, I was really expecting that she would look at me and be like, Karina, first off, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for the loss of all those people that are immigrants that have not been able to reunite with your loved ones. We're working in Congress to mm -hmm. get this done because that's what we expected from her. She actually uh, met with me in 2017 and with other leaders, and she was so proud that she organized the 2010 marches. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, from a senator that organized pro-immigrant and, and marches against SB 1070, I couldn't expect her not to respond. And it was somebody else. It was a different senator that I encountered in that right. plane. And so then I decided to shave my head with Nakasek and other leaders from across the country to show her what commitment looks like. Because we can no longer wait. And we're willing to do everything and anything in our power to deliver for our communities. I want my mother to hug my sister i want my my mother to hug her grandchildren i'm a grandmother now <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> oh yeah grandma my son has three kids and i couldn't imagine not being able to see my grandkids it it would be torture to not be able to to go and visit them to hug them to kiss them to see them grow to to see the first steps yeah you know my my parents didn't have that and so these are real life stories and when Kirsten Cinema is talking about bridges and infrastructure and you know the airport is getting money I'm Pat like patting herself on the back with that yeah yep. I'm like what about our lives right yep. um so it, it, that has to change she must deliver for her communities this is the time that she can do that she must vote in favor of the Build Back Better that includes a pathway to citizenship or at least protections for our immigrant community. Exactly. This whole thing has come full circle. Like you said, we, we marched, we voted, and now it's up to them to complete. And, you know, we trusted the process, have them finish the process. Karina, I'd like to thank you for being on with us today in the podcast and for sharing your story, not only here, but on the steps of the Capitol and in all the different events that we've seen this week. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your work. And thank you for being an inspiration to all of us to continue this fight. Thank you, Si Se Puede, and the victory. And we continue here with 
We Are Home Arizona, an immigration podcast. And I'd like to thank uh, all of all of the people that have come through here right now, share their stories, continuing in this fight and continuing in showing these senators that, you know, we can see them from across the window of this hotel room in the Capitol building where they are making the decisions for our lives, for our future. So let's just hope that they make the right decision for us. And to speak on that, I have my next guest right here. I have uh, Jesus Vasquez de la Cruz. He is a board member for the Arizona Dream Act Coalition, an immigrant youth and a member of our very tightly knit community. Jesus, welcome and thank you for being on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Jesus, you you have uh, also a, a very unique story and at the same time, very broad and like it affects so many people. But why don't you explain to me in your own words how close you were to having DACA and what happened when when that was taken? Uh, so, yeah, so um, I applied in um, early of June of 2021 this year. And so um, pretty much like the following month was when that court decision from Texas um, um, made headlines. So, uh, and, and you, you know, I felt, felt awful, honestly, but that wasn't the first time I tried to apply. I applied um, in 2017, and that was like during the Trump administration. Right. And um, so I was still in the middle of the process of just, you know, just gathering my documents. And uh, that was when, again, they stopped it. So, yeah. And and yours, like so many others, is just a pile sitting on the desk. Even before they stopped it, now correct me if I'm wrong, but before they stopped it, they had a huge stack of applications that they just refused to look at, right? Right, yeah. There was like this um, backlog. Of, right. Yeah. And and all they had to do was go through them, process them. You know, they they were ready to be approved. Everybody, they, they, they put their documents in. They paid money to send it in. They everything that was going around them, except they just didn't go through with the paperwork and they left so many people out in limbo. You and I, we, we spent the last couple of days getting to know each other. And I just want to say for someone so young to turn that into power and to get you to where you are right now, that, that is something extremely rare that I see. How is it that you, you pulled yourself from those rejections to get to where you are right now? So, I mean, um, like, it's just, I, I don't even know. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know where it comes from, but it, it's just always this uh, willpower, you know, this, um, this, just this calling that I have. And, you know, I, I've always had opportunities and, and just things coming my way. And, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously due to the, the fact of my legal status and not being able to work and have something going for myself, uh, you know, that. I mean that hasn't stopped me, and but I'm I'm still finding opportunities regardless. Right. I mean it hasn't stopped you with anything because uh, as we were talking, this isn't your first time in DC, right? Oh no. No, you you you've been getting after it. You've been getting <laughs> you've been getting that work in, and um, uh, why don't you explain to me your first time coming out here? What, what did you come out here for? Yes, I came out here with uh, United with Dream Action, and so that that was still like we were uh, sending the message of pathway to citizenship mm -hmm. and yeah so i mean i i came out here uh it was supposed to be for a week okay <laughs> but then there was an extension there's another week added and i was like okay i'll stay and then we did more uh marches more um more rallies and it was it was very fun all right, we got to get in contact with some people right now we need an extension too like let's stay out <laughs> here for another week <laughs> and, and um i want to ask were you scared when you came out here um i wasn't like I don't know. It, it wasn't, I, I wasn't worried. I would say just more about the flight. <laughs> That's all that worried me. But I was more of like determined to, to come out here and, and, and see like a new place, being in a new area, be with people who, who are in the same like movement, in, in the same like mindset as well. Like, so I am. A lo que viniste a, a pelear, a luchar. This is, this is what we came out here. That, that is extremely, that's so great to hear. And, you know, from from so many of our youth to that have that same mentality that we're not going to quit and uh, to to bring that out full circle, to bring it here to the steps of the Capitol and to be asking for this kind of stuff that 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 is the kind of thing that we need for our future. I want to ask you when the f bill was first introduced, obviously, 
it was it looks a lot different it looked a lot different then than when it when it does now things have been taken away things have been added for it to get to the senate now passing the house with uh, not a pathway to the citizenship, but still protection under paroles like that is still involved in it and is still here. What does that mean that we've able to pretty much come this far? It's, it's almost at the finish line. So, yes, I mean, uh, it just means that like uh, everything is working and, and uh, all the effort, all the the fight, all the message um, it, it's getting across. And, and that's that's very important. Um I believe in in this work and it's just the effort that you make you know just regardless if, it, if it's not going to work out it's like you still do it because it's still gonna it's just a fight you know you're fighting for people that that you you know that you know that really need this and for you you said you got a lot of things and new, and obviously we've been talking and then we've heard your ideas, like everything that you're trying to yeah. do with your life. When the Senate finally comes to consensus and passes this, President Joe Biden is going to sign this and it will pass. What is what is the first thing that you're going to do? Oh man, <laughs> and you know, like uh, I'm still not sure, but um, hopefully something something great, something. So just like I want to keep making changes uh, in, in people's lives like uh, I've always worked for people uh, like in the, I've been in the restaurant industry for a bit and so I mean I've helped people with their businesses um, you know I always try to give it all I got so I've, I've created really great relationships with people and then um, you know thanks to Karina Reese uh, for bringing me into the uh, Arizona Dream Act Coalition I'm able to even make a more bigger impact in people's lives like for this program um about this study abroad program that we're doing i mean we have um about like 19 participants and mm -hmm. i mean they're all able to uh what is it travel out of the country uh, right. with advanced parole and so we've uh, we hear all these stories about their families and how they they miss them and they want to see them or they haven't you know been out of the country and it's just like that that work that we're doing to make that happen and then uh, for people to be able to do do that. And then we're like part of that change in their life as well. Yeah, to, to be something so emotional. I remember my first time crossing the border as as an adult. I mean, not even as a kid anymore, because as a kid, you don't appreciate it. Um, I, there was a time in my life where I was able to, I was like 10, 11 years old. And for a couple of years there, I was able to get, um, a temporary like permission. I don't permiso que I could go with my grandparents yeah. to, uh, to Mexico for, for the summers when we were in school, spend there like a couple of weeks, three weeks, and then come back. And after that, I spent 15 years without seeing my family over there. And the emotion to be able to cross the border for the first time and, you know, see your land is something that really overtakes you. So, I mean, for I can only imagine what it must feel like to be able to provide that for somebody. Yes. Yes. And then, uh, you know, part of, of the program, you know, we, we help them make sure that, they, you know, they're they're confident and they they have that a good support system that they know that they are, are uh, in good hands. And so I, I did mention that we, we had a meeting and we were like just talking about a little bit of ourselves and why we're, uh, why the participants are going to Mexico. And so uh, um, I was the last to go because I let everybody go. But then mm -hmm. I, I meant, did mention to everybody, I was like, you know, um, although I don't have DACA and I, you know, I could have got it. Um, I could have gone with you guys. I could have been like part of the team, the, staff i mean that didn't stop me from helping you guys at least like getting to that point that part and you know that kind of made me a little bit emotional because you know right i'm making that impact in their life and that matters to me yeah you really are and and with the ideas i mean we're throwing some business ideas around i mean we got some stuff in the works and you're definitely meant for greatness i i can see it everyone around you sees it and i just can't wait for all of these things that you got in your head to come to fruition because they you you are going to be very very successful uh when when once you do get that opportunity once you it's so trivial a little piece of paper is going to open so <laughs> many doors i know yeah. and i ju and i just know that you're gonna you're gonna get out there and you're gonna get it done jesus i want you to, to 
speak as if you're in front of Mark Kelly of Christian Cinema, and just you you got 30 seconds to just tell them one thing. What is it that you want to tell them? I want to tell them that that their decisions really impact a lot of the youth and the youth is like the next generation and there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of ambitious young people that want to make changes, great changes. And with their help, with um, them being making the right decision that that will ultimately make great impacts in, in, in people's lives, you know, and that will definitely help out. Like just, in general, a lot of people. 100%. True words, never spoken. Hey, Zeus, I want to thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing your thank story. You, thank you. And uh, thank you for the great times that we've had here. Yeah, and uh, we're definitely <laughs> going to have to continue this when we get back home in uh, in Arizona. And uh, for now, I just uh, want to thank you and thank everybody who have been uh, part of this uh, part of this episode. Very, very uh, special, very emotional, very powerful episode that we've had right here at the steps of the Capitol building where, like we said, our, our future is being decided and we've done the work. So let's just uh, let, let's wait and see what they do. And every every action has a consequence. We like you said, the youth is the future. The youth are going to start voting, you know, as more and more you know, voters turn 18, they, they start getting those ballots in and tarde or temprano, they're going to see the power of the community. So, yes. Thank you, Daniel. And, you know, the, the youth, you know, they need to be empowered um, uh, because, I mean, I've had my own struggles, too. And so uh, I, I, I've had like my family there for me, but most definitely pretty much like the influence of of the outside world is like that is what matters a lot to them thank you so much Jesus. thank you so much yes i'd like to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to these amazing stories special thank you to salma maricruz anna karina and jesus for providing these awesome stories if you enjoyed the podcast please tell your friends about it let us know that you can find us anywhere where you can hear podcasts including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or anywhere else. Make sure you guys leave a five-star review, leave comments, like, share, and subscribe. It really helps the podcast grow and to continue to, to spread this amazing message. We Are Home Arizona is a Fuerte Network production in association with Frecuencia Alterna. Today's episode was hosted by Dani Orona and Carlos Navarro. Graphics by Karina Dominguez. Executive produced by Zenia Orona and Dominic Medina. Music by Dominic Medina. The thoughts and opinions on We Are Home Arizona are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Fuerte Network.